Well, hello, 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 good people. How's everyone doing tonight? Welcome to another episode of He Said, He Said, He Said. I look at the world from a seasoned Black man's perspective. I'm Alvin King, and it is Friday, December the 10th. Happy holidays to everybody. As you can see, I have like Christmasized my house, and I am totally, totally in the spirit this year. Uh, a total contrast to last year. So um, I hope everybody's doing well. Great to see you. Thank you for tuning in to our show tonight uh, that we have put together. And tonight is our best of show, ladies and gentlemen. And we feel that as we enter into this season, one thing that is very clear to us is that you have shown your support for he said, he said, he said, in ways that are truly unimaginable. Um, you've tuned in every week, every Friday at seven o'clock PM from your homes, your phones, your tablets, uh, your cars. Every Friday night at seven o'clock PM, you could be somewhere else, but you have been here with us and have allowed us to bring you great shows um, with some amazing guests, with resourceful topics, exciting features, and of course, the discussions have just been incredible. So we really do appreciate all, all of you tonight as we bring you this very special, special show. How you doing, Joseph? Um, hey, hey. So again, I, I hope you guys are, again, having a great week. I also want to say something to everybody because it clicked in today when I did it. Today, I set up my... Um, my uh, my physical, my year in physical. So I'm saying to all of you, please, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you haven't gone to the dentist, if you haven't gone to, you know, to see your eye doctor, if you haven't gotten that colonoscopy, yes, and some of us are at that age where you, you, you need to get it. Some of us have had two and three, but you need to check that, check that off your list, ladies and gentlemen, make that a priority to get yourself checked because this is the only temple that you have and you need to take care of it, all right? And one last thing on the health kick, since I'm on it, COVID is beginning to rise. That's right, since Thanksgiving, people are getting COVID and um, even the vaccinated are getting COVID. So that means that you're letting your guards down or you're being around people that you kind of trust, but you probably shouldn't trust. Just think about it, okay? Because COVID is real and COVID is killing. Okay, I need to move on with this show, ladies and gentlemen. Again, thank you for being here, but I can't do it without my co-host. Come on in here, Mr. Vosh Bodie. How you doing? <laughs> hey, Alvin, I am doing fantastic. How are you doing? I am doing good, feeling yellow, feeling bright. You know what I'm <laughs> Optimistic about your health. That was quite, quite the encouragement for people to check themselves. Yeah, before they it, wreck it, themselves, yes. It, it, did, can you say it again? <laughs> Check yourself before you wreck before you yourself. Wreck yourself. <laughs> no, it, it is. It is really very important. And you know, at you know, I don't know why people say this, but as men, we don't pay attention to our health. I don't know if that's all true, especially today. It may have been at some other time, but I think men are really paying attention to their health. And I know that's probably another topic for discussion. But I think men are paying more attention to their health than ever before. So I just want to encourage some of you guys out there to take care of yourself and, and prepare for that for that physical. Sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. So hey, look, tonight is our best of show. And as you know, we couldn't bring in everything that that all the shows that 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 we've done. We we couldn't we couldn't do that. But Bosch, will you agree with me that? Throughout this year, we have brought features to our guests about managing your health, managing your finances. We have also told people or talked to people about focusing on themselves by having shows like The Skin You're In, The Art of Happiness, The Power of Love, and also dealing with, 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 their, with their triggers. And then last week, we ended the show with a dating coach, you know, telling people how you need, look, love is, love is in the air. And, and you need to get into it. And we've had a host of shows talking about 
love and romance and how you can prepare for that. So would you agree that we've pretty much done a pretty good job of, of being resourceful to our viewers, uh, Vosh? Oh, absolutely a resource. And it's so funny the way that you put that because we have started off really checking in who we are individually, making sure that people have themselves together financially, uh, getting rid of triggers, like you said, doing emotional wellness, searching through trauma, and then we got people ready to go find somebody else. So like, you know, if you've been on this journey with us, we have gotten you to the point where we've gotten you together and now we're ready to put you out on the market to Come find on. love or to keep the love that you already have. So, you know, yes, we are definitely a resource. What's really amazing to me, Alvin, is that after, I would say since maybe June, every week after a show, someone will reach out to me who I didn't even know watched the show, whether they just watched it at one time or what have you, who has said that they've learned something from the show or that the show in some way, shape or form changed their lives. And we're gonna get into some of these clips and we can talk about the information that's in those shows that if people have not already seen them, they should go back and check them out. Or if they have seen them, go back and check them out again because there's always such a wealth of information that our guests bring to the he said, he said, he said stage for our viewing audience to just enrich their lives. Well, I mean, Bosh, I couldn't have said it better myself. That That is so true. And I see, I see we have, I know I said, hello, Joseph, again, but we have Al who's back. We have uh, Rose who's back, Sean, hey, Alma, hey, Sean. Hey, and Alma. Rudy. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight. We love we, we to appreciate see you. <laughs> Seriously. Well, <laughs> Well, some of our newbies um, who have just joined, we're going to show you some clips from previous shows that have really moved us and have caused our viewers to write to us and have said things like, you guys got to keep going and you've encouraged us. So we're going to go ahead and kick the show off right now where, again, we talked about managing your health. Um, we're going to kick the show off right now with our, one of our first favorite clips uh, for managing your health from uh, Dr. Deborah Warner. What are some of the signs of male trauma in an individual? Oh boy, men don't talk. <laughs> I know it sounds like a cliche. <laughs> well, not for this show. I know, especially with us. Let me rephrase that. Men don't, men don't talk about deep things that really trouble them, right? Mm -hmm. And so like an example is like, if, you know, um, I, can, I can tell you, you know, even with my husband, because the, the book, His History, Her Story, like, you know, I always know when something's bothering my husband, right? Because he clams up. But you have to let men come to you when they want to talk to you. If they don't want to talk about it, they're not going to talk about it, right? And especially a traumatized man, if this has happened and you've been told, oh, this is bad, this is something that you could have prevented, you've been told all these things, right? And then you open up to somebody. And if a man does that one time and then someone laughs at him, doesn't believe him, right? They're never going to tell you again because it's very hard for men to discuss emotion because of how we've been socialized. Right. Mm -hmm. So men who are traumatized tend to be more silent. Um, and also they a lot of the behaviors that come about that are reckless behaviors. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times you have people with substance abuse, which can be with women. But a lot of times it's more reckless. You know, um, you always think, oh, you know, if someone a man's going to hurt himself, you know, it's more violent. It usually is. Right. And so people don't. They, they, the people, a lot of people want to think, oh, it's okay because he's not saying anything. Hmm. Is there a sense of uh, guilt or shame attached to that also, uh, Dr. Warner? Yes, there's a tremendous amount of shame. There's a lot of shame research out there um, with men and male trauma. And it's because, you know, they, they don't want to admit what happened because they think they could have stopped this because that's what society has said. That is what their family has said that, you know, and it's like, no, you couldn't have stopped it. You know, one of the things I do when I work with patients is that I, I you know, I say, okay, so when did this happen to you? They could be like 10 years old, right? And I take out one of those little pencils you get when you're filling out a voting box, you know, mm -hmm. and I take out a pen that's big. And I said, so this is your perpetrator and this is you. Could you have stopped it? Mm. And just doing that at that moment mm -hmm. helps people realize, oh my God, like there was nothing I could do. No, the, the adults in your life should have protected you or should have listened to you. Right. right? And so that shame becomes blame. 
right? Mm -hmm. It turns into something else and they blame themselves. Not only do they blame themselves, they blame themselves for everything in their life that is negative because they're bad, they're dirty. Mm -hmm. That shame turns into all these balls of negative emotion. And it takes a lot of therapy to go through that. That's why a lot of male trauma survivors will want to overly please you because they don't want to see, be seen as bad. They want to be seen as accepted. See, now, when I looked at that clip from, from that show, I got to be honest. I hope Dr. Warner is watching because her <laughs> eyes, I, I think I have a fetish about women who, who do their eyes, okay? Yes. Because Dr. Warner totally. had me all, Look, I was like this. Dr. Warner, thank you for, for that. <laughs> yeah, she, 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 we were so um, happy to have her on the show to talk about male trauma, especially being a female from a female's point of view. And it was amazing was, how non-threatening that felt. Yes. You yes, know, yes, it really yes. felt like someone was really welcoming uh, that conversation and for us to really, truly open up. And that was really lovely. And I want to throw out there that Dr. Warner was a recommendation of friendship and knowledge of et cetera from a friend of mine. So... Okay. It was a very serendipitous uh, encounter that turned into that episode. So um, just want to let you all know who are watching that we listen and are always open to hearing who should be on our show and, and meeting new people. Well, we have her for life. Well, another, another <laughs> one of our guests that also uh, contributed to our mental health series was uh, Corey George, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this clip. What were some of the most therapeutic um, sort of topics of the book that really helped you heal and, and really, you know, accept the trauma that you experienced while I writing the, the book? First, so every time I think of the book, there's a couple of things. There's, um, there's a chapter on forgiveness. There's a big chapter on that. And I had to understand that forgiveness was mine. It was a gift back to myself. And nowadays, when I talk about forgiveness, I don't even use the word because, he, because see, forgiveness is such a heavyweighted thing, meaning... Am I letting someone off the hook? No. So what I call it is liberation. I simply call it liberation. That's it. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not saying it's for anybody else. It's my liberation. So whatever consequence that is, I don't care. Um, I don't have to tell you that I'm liberated. I don't have to go back and call the perpetrator and tell you, hey, I forgive you. No, that's, that's my business. Um, my heart is good. I didn't want to live through the consequences of holding it in. And mm -hmm. I think the other thing was there's a chapter called driving beyond stop signs. And what that means is, you know, and, and this is kind of a topic I talk about even outside of trauma. We all have a life plan, right? You know, and, you know, and as we're young, you know, our parents or, you know, our instructors or, or even a coach say, what is your life plan? <laughs> but no one ever says add a bracket under there for when life happens. So you have a derailment. I started college at night, well, 18, actually 17, because I because I finished school at 17. So when I started, I was still 17. But all the memories of the abuse came back and I had to drop mm. out of school in my second year. I was wow. hard on myself because I thought I failed. But wait a minute. I didn't have a bracket under that life plan that life happened. Right. So later on in life, I realized that we can still have the same goals. But what if there's a stop sign? And what if it's not really a stop sign? It's a branch off and it's a deterrent because... So, because something's stopping you from going down a path that you're not ready for. Right. And so perhaps I was not ready to be in college at that time because I would have failed. Mm -hmm. And I went back at 30 and I'm, now I'm going to my, my, well, this is my, this is my fourth degree. Wow. So this is not about timing. So now I tell my kids now, you know, if you're in high school and you don't know what you want to do, that's fine. Don't force it. You know, just fine. And, and for me, I deal with, deal with passion and love. Find what you love, you know, mm. find what you love and move forward with that. So as a, for example, if you want to be a barber, I want you to be a world-class barber. That's right. fine because someone's going to feel the love through your art and your craft of barbering. And that's where my life is now. It's showing mm. people that when you love your life and you love yourself, that's what, that's what we get. And so that's why, that's why working with trauma is so big. Cause I want to help people uncover all that love that's been smothered by something else that they didn't have a chance of fixing. Come on, Corey. 
Come on, Corey. Come on, Corey. Come on, Corey. I got to say something real quick also. Look, I'm going to fire my, my stylist because I had on the same the same look when Deborah and when Corey were on the show. And those are two different shows. So I just I'm, you're fired. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> did you really? I, I really did. And I, I just noticed that um, I, I did. And uh, Vosh, did you see the comment from Keith Jackson? He said that... Um, that he's working with one of the professional guests and it has changed his life. That's why we do this show, Keith. This is why, yes, yes, yes. And he That's put dollar signs after that, which means that if he's also single, he's now a good catch. Come on. That's why we do this show. <laughs> Keith, but thank yeah. you for letting us know that. And before we go to our next clip, I also want to let you guys know that you can pick up uh, Dr. Warner's and Corey's book. Corey's book is Sit or Stand 2.0, Living Successfully uh, Beyond Your Shadows. And Dr. Deborah Warner, her book is His Story, Her Story, A Survival Guide for uh, Spouses of Male Survivors of Sexual Abuse and Trauma. Please go to uh, Amazon and you can get their books, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go get it because they were very good. So yeah, and Rose you. said that, that Corey was really powerful. I mean, his... Both of them were, were super powerful, but Corey, especially him talking about the fact that it's life after the stop sign. I mean, that has, I've had that creep into my consciousness when something has gone, not the way that I have planned. It's like, all right, here's stop sign. Start all over again. Let's keep it moving. Cause we're going to get back to the road in some way, shape or form. He definitely, really de definitely hit home. Thank you, Rose. Mm -hmm. Well, since we, I just talked about authors, one of our other episodes that, that we did, we did for Mother's Day. And we had a mother and daughter uh, show where we were actually honoring Mother's Day. Silver Logan Sharp, uh, who's a, um, a professional singer here. She lives here in Washington, D.C., but she has toured the country with the group Chic. She and her mother were on the show. And her mother, Paula Potts, gave us one of our most memorable moments on the show. Here we go. So right. let's get on with the show. Paula, if you don't mind, we just want to talk to you for a minute. And okay. Silver, feel free to interject. This is a this is our living room. Come on uh, in and do and do what you're gonna do. So well in Paula, that case. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, darling. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love it. I love it. I love Welcome. it. I love it. Oh, yeah. well, this, is so, this is so exciting. <laughs> it's so wonderful to be here. Hello to everyone who's watching, to everyone who's participating in the show. Yeah, I love, he said, he said, he said. <laughs> I love that. Hey. I love that. Great title. Love it. Thank, right. you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Well, Miss Paula, I'm Vosh, and I have a question for you. So okay. you're a published author, and you have three books out. Right. Uh, they are Yesterday, When I Was Crazy, which is a sacred contract with healing. Right. You've got the poetry of Miss Paula. Right. Just Paula. I'm sorry, the poetry of Just Paula. I was, I was looking. Do you have a, Alvin, you got a, you got a copy of that book? I don't, don't make me do it. No, I don't have it, I don't have it. But I'll have it tomorrow, but you keep going. Right yeah, on, Paula, if you got bad. one, you can show it. You and got then one. you have Zentabulous, which is the yeah. new age fabulous. The new one, right. Fantastic. <laughs> what inspired you to become a writer? Many things, actually, um, but I resisted originally, but it was really my healing process. Uh, I was very severely disabled for a long period of time, and I spent 10 years in full-time therapy. And during that time, I just, you know, I tried things that had not been tried before. And so people started telling me as I got better, you need to write a book. You need to let people know what you did to get better, to feel better. And so that's the real, the real inspiration. And then of course, Silver kept saying it. So we're bonded by the books as well. She kept saying, mommy, when are you gonna write the book? When are you gonna let people know what you did? Maybe you can help somebody else. So I was motivated by her saying that maybe I could help others. And my medical doctor too kept saying, okay, I'm waiting for you to write the book so tell people what you did. So um, it took me 10 years <laughs> to actually give birth to what is now affectionately known as the crazy book. <laughs> she wrote a book That's about amazing. it. I wrote a book yeah. about crazy, you know, and uh, but it's about my sacred contract with healing. That subtitle is really the crux of it. And of course, you know, divine intervention. Mm. God ordered it. 
you know, mm -hmm. God ordered it. Yes, said, okay. Well, you you talking to you talking to a group here who knows all about the yes, the yes. divine divine Listen, intervention. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. we do. Yeah, 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 yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. Amen. He said, "Okay, it's time." Well, and he actually gave me the poetry first uh, while I was sort of manifesting the uh, memoir and stages. You know, I woke up one day in the middle of Katrina, the hurricane, wow. and I was really praying for my family who lived in New Orleans at the time. And in the middle of the night, in two between the hours of two and four in the morning, I was awakened by the Almighty, and I just started writing poems. Just started okay. writing, it just all came, I just downloaded it. Like I say now, I don't edit God. <laughs> so yes. when Ooh. I just allowed him to dictate, I wrote it all down, and as they say, the rest is history. Thank you, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I love that your journey was really to help other people. It seems that the bigger the dream, the the more energy that goes behind it. And I'm really happy that you did that. Uh, and we're gonna share your website um, okay. so people can go and you can actually see excerpts from Absolutely. your different books. Yeah. So they can get a taste for the energy and the love that goes into what you do and what shines out from it. So we're excited about it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. hey, Paula, I love being here to share shot. this with you and your audience. Beautiful. Thank you. People already this loving you, yeah. Yeah, feeling you in my heart. Okay, the real deal about Paula that I'm, yeah, I, I call her Paula. I, I've known her for a minute, so I can call her Paula. But we had, there was another piece or moment in this show where she talked about finding love at 70. Paula got married in 2019, ladies and gentlemen, and she found love at 70. And first of all, she looks incredible. But there was a moment on the show where she talked about that, and she, she set me on the path to let me know if she can do it, I can do it. Okay. <laughs> it's not too late. Not with your cute self. You can find somebody. <laughs> thank, thank you, Vosh. Thank yes, you, Vosh. Thank you. Thank you. No, that, that was a great show. Um, and if you guys can definitely go to our YouTube uh, page, he said, he said, he said live and put in silver Logan Sharp and the whole show will come up. So please go there and click, um, click and subscribe to our show. So, okay, th this next this next clip that we're going to show this is it our is. Res this is our resident. He's our resident finance guru. Okay, he has had three shows on here, being financially fit, building your financial plan, and fertilizing your finances. And he is like, he's like the finance god to me. Okay, he is. So, ladies and gentlemen, please look at this clip from Mr. Randy Jones. I hope that I have the right clip popping up. When you are 50 or older, you've accumulated some wealth, but you've also accumulated lots of debt. Um, so Randy, based on your experience with hundreds of clients, what works and what does not work when it comes to debt elimination? Hmm. So you often hear people talk about, you know, the snowball effect when it comes to paying the debt, whether paying the debts that you can pay off uh, the quickest, and have some sense of satisfaction that, hey, I'm eliminating my debt, or what debts do I have the highest interest rates and things like that. Mm -hmm. But here's what people run into the problem of. The one thing that is constant in all of our lives is the unexpected. And so here's what you'll do. You'll have a credit card. Let's say that it has $3,000 as a limit and you're dumping extra money on it because you say, hey, I hate that extra debt and I want to get rid of it so that I can um, start using my money and putting it to work different ways. And then something happens like a family member calls you, just like you said, Bosh, or you know your car breaks down or unexpectedly we have the pandemic um, happen. And because you put, in all, put all of your extra resources, whether it be to your debt or trying to pay down your house extra fast, but you haven't put any money aside, mm -hmm. when life happens, what do you have to do? Because you don't have any money aside, you actually have to go back into debt. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenges with that. Okay. That was actually a question that I wanted to ask you because I understand there are sort of two schools of thought with around credit card debt. And one school of thought is if you have credit card debt and you have savings, you really don't have any money. Mm 
And then the other school of thought is if you have credit card debt, uh, you know, you should, you know, try and pay that off as soon as possible so that you no longer have a debt and you could then save that money. What are your sort of, I mean, you, you just spoke to it a little bit, but if you could just elaborate a little bit more as to should you focus on paying the minimum amount of your credit card debt while building up your savings or try to get rid of your savings so that, that those funds could be sort of reallocated or repurposed. Outstanding. So if you have that, what, and I often will tell my clients, I say, look, the difference between wealthy people and everyday people is just the way that they think. You know, um, generational wealth is really not about money. It's just about a mindset. So I say, look, here's what we're going to do. And people are so emotionally tied to their debt. They'll say, I'll tell them we're going to pay the minimum on our debt so that we can build up our reserves, because the only reason that we got into debt is because we didn't have reserves. And then when we get to a certain amount and people will say, how much is it? Three months of my expenses, three months of my income, three to six months. Truly, we want to get to close to about eight months of our reserves. And you can only do that by having a spending plan. But put all of your extra resources in your savings and you get to a certain point where you can actually take a lump sum and then snowball the debt, then what you end up doing is having your cash flow not attack your debt, but your debt attack itself. Because when you take that lump sum and you pay off one, then you can take that payment and apply it. But the whole time that you're doing that, you're still continuing to build your reserve because when the unexpected happens, you don't go back into debt. So I would say pay the minimum, build your reserves, take a lump sum, and then attack the debt and then get back to saving and building your reserves. As right. your debt so, goes down, you won't need as much in reserves as well. See, okay, for those of you all who haven't seen the shows with Randy, please, please go back and look at those shows. I mean, you know, no pun intended, but he'll have you passing the plate, okay? Because <laughs> brother knows what he's talking about and he has helped so many of us um, in our financial woes. And so I, I am a true testament to having had him on the show and had followed some of his words. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. He's another one of those people that every time he comes on the show, someone different will reach out and say, I learned something there. And these are people that I know are very like money savvy, financial planning savvy. And to have Randy say something that they still are learning just lets me know that it's always a good time to bring Randy on. And Rudy is saying, can you please do a Bitcoin talk soon? And he's giving applause, I guess, to Randy, which we love. Thanks, Rudy. Thank you, Rudy. Yeah. And he did touch on Bit, uh, Bitcoin, Bit, Bit, Bitcoin a while ago, but we will bring him back and we will make sure that he talks about it a little bit more, Rudy. Thank you. Um, I know some people have joined, so yes. I want to say hello to Scott. I want to say, I think Keith J, I know we talked about, we, we read your, um, one of your, your, your uh, quotes, I'm uh, not quotes, but um, one of your statements, comments, and mm -hmm. I'm, hello to you, man. And who else did I just see? I saw Barry. Hey, Barry. Hey, Barry. Hey, Hi, Van. Hey, hey, Barry. How you guys doing? Well, not Randy wasn't the only one who gave some inspiring words on the show, ladies and gentlemen. So we're going to play these next two clips from two of, I mean, very highly, you guys commented on these two uh, shows more than some of the others. But we're going to play a clip of some inspiring words from one of our lifestyle influencers who were on the show, Dr. Keith Harley. Keith, what was your turning point in your life and career that made you want to become a full-time life influencer? Uh, I was no longer fulfilled. I'll be very honest with you. A lot of people, they will continue to do something just to make the ends meet. And I knew that that was what was paying me. That was what was keeping the roof over my head. I had done my part. 32 years is a long time. I was like, okay, I'm not waking up being happy anymore. I'm not waking up um, feeling good. So I walked away from relationships. I walked away from a business. I sold it, got rid of it. I walked away from a house that no longer fulfilled me, got rid of the house. I walked away from a truck, a car that I got rid of everything. I cleaned the slate yeah. because often sometimes, and if there's anything that you all walk away with, get rid of the clutter, the problems, the situation so you can clear the way to receive your blessing. And I promise you, always remember, write it down. You can't get your blessing around chaos. 
If it does, it'll always look foggy to you. So I had mm. to clear the slate to receive the happiness that I deserved. Now it was a bit lonely. I'll be very honest with you. When you walk away from things that no longer serve you, it's a lonely period, but that's only God preparing you for what's about to come. So acknowledge it, accept it, uh, honor that moment that you're alone and you feel lonely in the process of change and get ready for the big stuff to come because you're going to be ready for it when you go through that period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pass well, that plate. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm calling the nurses in white over. <laughs> well, one of the things about receiving the things that are coming to you is looking good while you're doing it. So let's talk about image. Yes. What does image mean to you? Image is an extension outside and inside of how people perceive you. Always remember, people perceive you in the first 13 seconds that they meet you. If you notice sometimes, even as children, when people would meet you, they would do what? They would look you up and down. And the reason that is, is because they're sizing you up to have a perception of who you are externally, and then they get to the internal part. But the image is what sets the business card for your success. That's very interesting because people do do that. And yep. <laughs> there's an understanding of what people really look at first to really gauge who you are. That's right. What That's is right. that? Most of the time they look at your feet. Yes, child. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, guys, I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. And the way my grandmother taught me was if you have scuffed up shoes, there's an issue with your manhood. Well, Alvin even talked about that in oh, okay. our catch up today when he was talking about the folks okay. at the Olympics without their shoes shine. So there's a right. whole bunch right. of broken manhood in that delegation. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. And immediately, I'm sure Alvin, when he saw the shoes, he was like, well, wait a minute. What is that saying about that individual? Yes. That is the foundation to who you are. It's the one that walks you. It's the one that keeps you up. It's the one that keeps you stable. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go down and up. Now, back in the day, and when we were in high school and middle school, that was when people looked you up and down, that was a sign we getting ready to fight. And they, that, we used to call that grinting. They'd be like, who you grinting on? Who you looking at? Remember that? Yeah. Right. Yeah, but what that was is people are trying to see who you are and what you're about. Now, mm -hmm. here's the interesting thing. How you walk with your head up determines your level of confidence. So if you walk always looking down, people are not wanna, gonna wanna follow you because they know you don't know where you're going. But if you're looking up and you have a sense of pride, your mom and your dad back in the day used to always tell you, keep your head up, keep your head up, keep your head up. Because that is the perception of what people think about you. And that is a part of the image. See, a lot of people, Who? Okay, I told y'all. I told y'all. I I told you all. Okay, <laughs> okay. This this is one of the episodes where I said his words were inspiring. Yes. Okay, and touched a lot of us. All right. We thought he was gonna be. I thought he was coming on, and it was gonna be about fashion and just about your clothes. But as Sean said, this show got me together. <laughs> okay. This show really did. Like it really put in this whole notion and thought that there's a whole lot more to life. There's a whole lot more to being together. And yeah. He did it. He, he, he did, did it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He did it. Uh well, a few months ago, not even a few months ago, several uh, several weeks ago, we had actor and Broadway performer Anthony Wayne on the show. And he too dropped a few inspiring words. Can Today, you know, when we first met Anthony, I think I had just left the Ailey Company, but you had just moved to New York. Really the only black show on Broadway was The Lion King, right? And I was going to ask you, what challenges did you face initially back in the day in breaking into Broadway? And do those challenges still exist today to a certain extent for black men? Hmm, good question. I, I didn't think about the challenges. I thought about the goal. Mm -hmm. I knew what I wanted to do and I knew where I wanted to be. And I know I knew that I was gonna be on Broadway. I remember when I was a kid I, I, on my wall, 
I didn't know I was doing this. I didn't know I was manifesting this. But on my wall, I had written, I want to be a star. Or, you know, or I wrote, I'm going to be on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to be in the Governor School, which was a, a high school performing arts company in, in uh, Virginia. Mm -hmm. I, I knew I wanted to do these things. And so even when I first came to New York, um, we had came, we had, I came to, I trained at Ailey some time ago. And I remember being in Times Square saying, this is going to be my home. And you just know it. You just know it. So, mm -hmm. of course, I was, I knew that there was going to be work but I didn't think that I wasn't capable of doing it. And so uh, what I found myself was connecting to, I did get strategic. I said, how many black men are in every show? And I need to know every black man and who he is and what he does. Right. I, and, and at first it was more about, maybe I may want their job, but it became more about how do I get to know who these people are and how they got there? Mm -hmm. You know, right. and so mm -hmm. once I started connecting with other black men, other black people in the in shows, I started becoming part of this family and this unknown family that I didn't even know that was was here. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's that was the gift that I received. Even now, to the same matter of fact, last night I went to go see Trouble in Mind on Broadway and I was there. With Chuck Cooper and LaShawn's and just incredible people who I remember seeing when I was younger, right. who I remember hearing and, and, and knowing that they've won Tony Awards. It's just like, wow. But truth be told, you know, that's possible for me too. And that's possible for other actors. And so, but it's, that's not the focus. The focus is to tell good, do good work and to be a good person mm -hmm. and to never stop working. I remember talking to, um, to Ben Barine, he came to see Pippin. And I asked him, I said, what would you tell a young black actor like myself, you know, who's trying to, you know, up and coming? He said, keep working. And I didn't understand what he meant. I was like, keep working? That's all you're gonna tell me is keep working? But <laughs> truth be told, I thought about it after some time, I was like, wow, keep working, meaning like keep working on yourself. Your craft, yeah. Keep working in life, keep working on your craft, keep trying to do even greater than where you are. Like, like all that came from life lessons, but for him to tell me those simple words, it was just like evolutionary. See, I told you all. I told though those shows moved me. Okay. I was I was moved after those shows. I decompressed after each show. But after those two shows, I really walked away with thinking, okay, Alvin, this is like a path to where you want to go. They they gave me some, they fed me that night. And Absolutely. I appreciated that. I, I appreciated that. So yeah. look, our next clip, ladies and gentlemen, we actually, this we've made her our resident chef. And some <laughs> wonderful things came out of this show for her, for which we'll tell you about after the clip. There are some good things happening in the world, and tonight they happen to be happening on He Said, He Said, He Said. So right. if you if you guys are ready, we, we got some cooking to do tonight. So let, 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 me, let me introduce our special guest tonight. Um, she went from being a record-holding track and field athlete to a professional runway model to a reality TV personality and a top talent, um, a top talent executive in Chicago. And now a business owner, a new mommy with one of the most beautiful daughters I've ever seen in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the He Said, He Said, He Said stage for our first cooking show, Chef Cottrell. Come on in here, Cottrell. Hey. <laughs> hey. Oh my God. That was a good intro. Like you, you're hired. Well, Cottrell, we cannot we cannot stress enough that you know we are so happy that you are joining us, and with the Fourth of July being here, you know we want to make sure that we give our viewers we we are a resource to our viewers, and we want to make sure that we tell them you know from our perspective, what's the new fun great eats from a Chef Cottrell point of view. So we are so glad that, that you are here. And let, let me and, and let me set this up because I'm usually sitting where Saladin and Vosh are. 
So Vash and Saladin are going to be actually the host because I'm going to be cooking with you tonight. And you better cook. I'm so excited. I'm and so you better excited. cook, Alvin. <laughs> Listen, Alvin, if you're going to be my sous chef tonight, you got to come correct. It's got to right. be. Yes. Right. Oh, more so, more I mean, you're a little off on the pattern, but we won't subtract that from your cooking. So <laughs> let's just bring our A game. <laughs> I think you look fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So um, tell tell us what's 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 um you know you know tell us what's going on with with, with what we're going to prepare tonight. Yeah. So I know that a lot of people. COVID's kind of slowly dwindling out, right? We're thankful for that, where we can get out of the house. But some of us are still afraid to get out of the house, and I totally understand that. And we want to entertain at home. And you want to do it with style. You want to give your people luxury eating, as I like to call it. Um, so I today have set up two amazing starters or appetizers, if you will, that will have your guests talking i mean you know that phrase like slap your mama they're literally mm -hmm. going to slap you so Ooh. just stay tuned i'm just that's saying. a black thing y'all that's a black thing okay okay but what? So what do the white people say i can't tell you oh. because i'm not <laughs> okay yes, <I'm> <laughs> well you guys are you guys gonna get cooking I can't oh, wait yes. to start smelling some good stuff coming up across the screen. Okay. Plus, we have some good really questions for I'm you, Chef Cottrell. Yay! I, I'm all for it. I'm all for answering. Okay. Right on. Right on. So, you guys are cooking what first? Um, Alvin, we're going to do the crab balls first. You okay with that? I am. Let me go to, I'm going to get something out of my freezer and come back. Mm. Okay. Right I'm on. Getting, I'm, getting, that. I'm getting the Wendy Williams mouthwater here. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. We have, the DMV is known for seafood, right? I mean, we have the best seafood, I don't care, better than New Orleans, like better than some of the other places. I feel like we have the best seafood. And today I'm gonna show you how to make my crab cake. Um, but we're gonna make them into, instead of actual crab cakes, we're gonna make crab balls. Okay, so like mouth-watering crab balls, bite size, maybe one to two bites. Um, and my secret dipping sauce, which I won't give out, but Alvin has a secret dipping sauce. So he'll be the taste tester today for that. So let's get started. And, 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 and while, you, while you're talking about the crab balls, I don't know about any of if you guys, Vosh and um, Saladin, but I don't know how to make a ball. I don't know what the problem is. I can I can roll it and do and do all that, but somebody needs to come out with a with a a ball making machine for like crab balls or or salmon balls. Or, I cannot make it. I know there's a thing that you can um, make a ball out of like watermelon Ice when you. Yeah. yeah. But Katrell, I need you to slip me that whatever that gadget is, because Alvin can't make a ball. That's all. I'm done. Okay. You're gonna, gonna learn tonight, Alvin. You're gonna learn. You're gonna learn tonight. tonight. You're gonna learn tonight. You're gonna learn with mm -hmm. two hands. So. I'm gonna learn. <laughs> So I have already drained my crab meat, right, over the, over the sink. However, you want to take it and just kind of drain that extra juice that's out there. You don't want that in your crab um, ball juice, so if you will, per se. So I have two bowls. I'm going to empty out the crab meat in one bowl, all right? Mm -hmm. Not the same bowl. This is really important. And make sure all of your crab is out of the bowl. We don't waste crab in the DMV. No, um, we don't. No, we, we don't. Do not. <laughs> we don't. No, we don't. We don't. Now, Chef Cottrell, would it matter for yeah. some people um, if you use real crab meat versus imitation crab meat? Absolutely. Real okay. versus fake anything always makes a difference. I don't care if it's jewelry, food, friends, people, relationships. Real versus fake always makes a difference. In flavor, in taste, I mean, it's definitely going to, it's like night and day. So okay. don't do it. Okay, see, Chef Cottrell, thank you, ladies. Uh, thank you, Chef Cottrell. And real quick, I need to let you all know, since Chef Cottrell appeared on our show, ladies and gentlemen, she has opened a luxury brunch, uh, a, lunch, a luxury brunch here in D.C. every Saturday and Sunday. 
I have attended the, the luxury brunch. You can go to chefcatrell.com. It is amazing. It is like brunch on steroids. I mean, and it's not just the brunch, the food. It's the whole wow factor of going and she taking you up to the rooftop. And it is amazing. If you're in DC, please go to chefcatrell.com and schedule a Sunday brunch. You have to be a party of six, no more than eight. But it is worth it. All right? It is worth it. So you guys need to take a trip there. Um, Boss, anything you want to say before I go into our very last clip that is, like, hilarious? <laughs> I would hate to delay the laughs. I just want to say <laughs> that we love Chef Cottrell. Um, and I can't wait to get to D.C. to try her luxury eating. Yes, and thank you for saying that. And I'll tell you more why Vodka said that too. Because anyway, our last clip tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is actually one of our most funniest clips. And we even invited one of the NNPAs. Um, she she has her show on NNPA, Ask Alma, and we invited her to our show. And we did a segment called "Why Would They Do That?" Let's roll the clip. Talk about people and their kids for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Because I love children. I love everybody. I love kids. They are the future. I, I love do. the kids. I love, I love, I love the, kids. the kids. I love the kids. <laughs> but but but, but, but what, what gets me is that, you know, why would people, why, why do some parents bring their kids to other people's house, houses or places and forget that the kid may tear up something? <laughs> and they and they just sit around like, okay, well, we're not at my house, so the, we, the kids go, you know, the kids kids do what kids do, but you at somebody else's house, right? So I mean, so why 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 would they do that? <laughs> why would they do that? And I've been to plenty of parties with their kids, and I've sat back and watched how kids have torn up somebody else's house, and the parents <laughs> is out there drinking, and out there, you know, you know, got their feet up, and I'm and, and the kids aren't bad. But why would the parents yeah. do that? Why, See, why, why, that would they, they do that? Why would they do that? That's when I think that it is my obligation to express <clears throat> how we are all in the village. Because I don't mm -hmm. really care, care whose child it is. It's something inside me. I've been at the mall. I've been at restaurants. I'm at the airport. I'm all in somebody's business. Is that your child over there? <laughs> That's Cicely Tyson saying. Cicely Tyson saying. Why, would they, saying, that? why would they do that? Why okay. would they do that? Why, where, look, where they do today? Yeah, and, and it's, 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 it's not. And, and and they and 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 they and they do it. And again, I love kids, so I ain't blaming the kids about nothing. But see, but, I uh, think I, it's I, our responsibility as a village, though, Alvin. When those mm -hmm. things happen. We have to say something. Yeah, yeah. We have to say something. No, I was, I truly was at a party and I swear I saw, and it wasn't even my house. And I, <laughs> I saw the people had all their kids there. And all of a sudden I was like looking around the backyard, like, well, where are all the kids? And the parents were out in the backyard. And I went in the house and the kids were throwing pool balls and everything. <laughs> I was like this. Not pool balls. The they, were, they had just, okay, that's but that's a, all I'm saying is why would they do that? But we're well, going one to, time, we're going to, No, no, no. I mean, but the, really why quickly, would they, one, of my, one of my girlfriends brought her daughter to my place, which was fine. But she had put some leave-in conditioner in her hair. <laughs> so we sat at my, my dining room table, like just having some snacks and some drinks. The little girl was all over my couch with her leave-in conditioner <gasps> on. All over you. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? <laughs> well, Dean, I'm mad for that one. But so let me I. add quickly, Vosh, the why would they do that to me would not apply to the children because the children are going to do right. what they do. It right. should apply to those parents out back that I would say, where's your child? Because is that your child? Right. Well, <laughs> Karen said people don't train their children properly. And Lillian said you, you invite them to leave. She says she right. lost a friend because she told them that they can't visit anymore until they learned to look and not touch. Yeah. Come on, Lillian. Lillian, I don't know you, Lillian. That's but you my know, godmother. Lillian, that is my godmother. Lillian, you can come to my house any day, <laughs> anything, <laughs> Lillian, okay? I support your ministry, Lillian. I support your ministry. That. You know and, what else, too? My mother, God rest her soul. I, lo I love my mother to death, but my mother was straight up. She ain't sugarcoat nothing. So when I had my sweet baby boy, Joshua, 
my mom came up to the hospital and you know what she said um let's be clear don't nobody think he as cute as you do Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although wow. it you know, shook me for a minute, it was true. Yes. Don't nobody think he cute but you. So deal I, with I it. Support, I support I support that. With. Why would she do that? Okay, we're gonna <laughs> give it <laughs> why would she, why would they do that? Be, because because they're trying to save somebody from a beatdown. Okay. <laughs> 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 Thank you. <laughs> Kapow. Kapow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Rudy said, not in my house, because when you bring kids to my house, they fall under my rules. Period. <laughs> Kapow. 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 <laughs> uh, okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, we have gotten to a point in the show where we would do our second segment. And our second segment of the show would have many, many, we, we had many segments that we introduced to you, but the two most popular segments that you all love were Black Excellence and the pop-up. So we're gonna give you our two favorite, one of our pop-ups and one of our Black Excellence segments. Welcome everybody to the pop-up. Y'all, Black TikTok creators are on strike and it, is really one of the most significant withdrawal of black participation since the Montgomery bus boycotts. For as long as we can all remember, black, indigenous, and people of color have had their cultural contributions stolen by white culture. And today I'm telling you the children are no longer having it. TikTok is a popular short form video sharing app for your phone or your tablet. Now, one of the video categories that has driven TikTok's popularity is the dance challenge. Someone creates a video and a dance, they upload it, and then people begin to share that choreography and it spreads. Now, what we have come to realize is that most of these dance creators are black people, but the viral dance sensations are a select number of young white girls who did not give credit to the original choreographers. Now, by not giving the black creators credit, these white TikTok users have been able to parlay these dances into personal financial gain through the huge number of likes and followers. This translates into money in the TikTok marketplace. They've even landed live appearances on Jimmy Fallon and at basketball games, presenting choreography as if they created it. Now, once these outlets realized their mistakes, they did try to acknowledge the original dance creators, but it wasn't enough. And without support from TikTok, these black creators felt they had no choice but to go on strike and the hashtag black TikTok strike was created. So why is the strike so significant? What is the impact? Since the black TikTok strike has started, dance challenges on all platforms have completely stopped. The only things you see are watered down versions of previous dances where people creating choreography and it's so uninspired, it has some users reacting and complete disbelief. Megan says, hands on my knees, shaking on my thought. And the white women said, the instructions are right there. <laughs> the very survival of the TikTok platform is threatened as users are considering deleting the app. I am sicker than an 87 year old with COVID of watching these white people try to do the thought challenge with their hands in the air and not on their knees. Please just end it because if I gotta watch it one more time, I'm gonna just have to throw the whole app away and probably my skin. I'm just ashamed to even be this light. The strike is also affecting the music industry and performer revenue. Without viral dance videos, music song plays and downloads have dropped. The greatest significance of the strike, however, is that it is showing young black people the significant contributions they make to the world and the power that they have to change it. Wow. And this is a complex issue with a lot of moving parts, but nothing, but something has to be done. In the past, creators have had to reach out to those benefiting from the intellectual property for credit. TikTok must implement a way for users to give credit to creators when uploading a dance video or for creators to demand credit when their work is copied. 
celebrity choreographer Daquell Knight has started a company to be able to copyright these dances. Content creators might want to legally protect their work before uploading it. The creators might consider moving some of these other video sharing apps, Dutch Mask, Triller, or Funimate. The Black TikTok strike has proven that there's demand for Black creative content. Other apps might promote their Black creators and find ways to protect their creations to, to ensure everyone's financial gain as a means of securing a wider base, user base. The one thing we all can do is support Black creators on whatever platform we find them. Here are a few that are making waves. So ladies and gentlemen, believe me, this strike is real and we wanna hear from you. Tell us what you think about the Black TikTok strike um, we can't wait to hear from all of you because this is very, very, very important. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And Alvin, it's, I'd like to just take a quick moment to thank Vaz for even raising this topic because this was like a complete education for me. I thought that TikTok was created specifically for white kids and white families to go in and create these little dances. I had no idea that young black choreographers were creating these dances and that white kids were learning them from the other platforms and then posting them on TikTok. I had no idea. So this was a complete education for me. So thanks, Vash. Yes, indeed. I mean, I, to me, this is one of the most so significant social movements that are, is going on right now because we get to see it play out in real time that people are doing things, white people are stealing it, and they are even recognizing it. We just went through this whole year last year where we were talking about Black Lives Mattering. People like, oh, no, they don't, no, they don't. And here we see a whole platform has built a financial gain on the backs of these young Black creators. And this market is hot. It is hot. Um, TikTok is, you know, like I said, it's a short form video sharing program. TikTok is making YouTube and Instagram change their whole platforms. Instagram used to be a, a, a photo sharing app they've announced that they're mm -hmm. going to be going to a short form video sharing app because there's so much money there. And these, these young black creators have been deprived of being able to gain financially from their, their intellectual property. And they're saying no more. And I think it's amazing. I think we all need to be supporting them in every way possible. Well, and, and in the whole, the whole theme and subject matter of this show tonight, developing your financial plan, there is a lot of money to be made in these, yes. In, in, in this in this platform and so for all you young kids or young people who don't know the art of managing your money this show is really for you because yes. some of us get money so quick and and the way this industry is TikTok in particular um you know all you have to have is what four or five you know thousand hits before an advertiser is looking at you throwing you know considering throwing money by the time you get to a million you're you're getting money and money that you don't even know how to manage or deal with so this show is actually for you as well mm -hmm. so vosh on the coattails of saladin thank you for bringing this to my to our attention and hopefully viewers you all will do your homework because the black TikTok strike is real and that's why you haven't seen some of the some of the better choreographies out there these days because the black folks have said no you're you're not using us you're not using us to for your financial gain so thank you again buddy thank you so so much what so um what they said <laughs> you say what <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> ladies and gentlemen ladies and gentlemen well this has been some clips from our mo what we thought we could get in the time that we could produce this show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that you have enjoyed some of our best in show. And I, I have to give Vosh credit again because I do my part, but I can't do my part without his part. And so he did what he did to make sure that these clips will come up. And Alma just posted, what a show. Thanks so much for including me in the clip. I'm honored. You are so welcome. You are so welcome, Alma. Thank you. And Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we have it, next week will be our last show for the year. And we are honored to uh, have from the double the NAACP, uh, Dr. Jamie R. Riley. He's the director of race and justice.
for the NAACP, and he will be here to talk to us about the critical race theory, and he's going to break it down where we understand it, ladies and gentlemen, okay? He's going to put it in layman's terms. So you got to watch the show next week. And before we go, we have another special treat for you, but I'm going to give you the words of the week. Dreams are renewable. No matter what our age or condition, there are untapped possibilities within us and new beauty awaiting to be born. And that was from Dr. Dale Turner, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, G, you, no, it's the last show for the year, G. I mean, next week. <laughs> for the year. Yes, yes, yes. For the year. But we're going to end the show tonight with a very special performance from a Grammy-nominated uh, songwriter, Mr. Gordon Chambers, ladies and gentlemen. He wrote Anita Baker's Grammy Award-winning song, I Apologize. He was here with us, and tonight we're going to close the show with one of our best shows, ladies and gentlemen, featuring the, a performance by none other than Gordon Chambers. So right now we're going to say thank you for joining us this week on He Said. He Said. He Said. He Said. He said. <laughs> we'll see you guys soon. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you. He's here. And he's here on He Said, He Said, He Said, and he is going to perform for us tonight. And I don't even know what he's performing, ladies and gentlemen. So it is it is a mystery to me and a gift to me tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the He Said, He Said stage, Mr. Gordon Chambers. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Anyway, so I'm at my piano, which you guys can't see, but I'm um, the song that's on my heart right now um, is a song about perseverance, um, something we talked about in the interview. Um, it's also the song on my newest CD, um, Surrender, my most latest album, solo album. Please get all my albums, by the way. Um, <laughs> yes. Get them. Good music for adults, grown folks, seasoned people. Yeah. Um, yes. But this is a song called My Way, and this song was on the on the CD, was dedicated to Whitney. And I'm just going to sing this right now since we did talk about her tonight and since I'm going to be on the documentary next week. So this song came to my mind, and it's a song about, well, you'll see what it's about. I think if you're grown and you're seasoned, you've been through this and you can relate. And I did it all alone Whether I 